Chapter one. Little did Curtis know. Hey, what's that? Oh, I'm going to write a book about you. Oh, cool. Uh, at some point, I just want to talk about, you know, royalties and stuff like well, that. Well, well, sure. But so just for my material, what would you say is going on in your life right now? Like, let's say, start with the biggest thing first. Oh, well, easy. My garage door is broken. And I don't know if it's worth it to pay to get the guy to fix no, it because... Well, it, I think I'd rather start with how right at this very moment, there's a cosmic struggle between fundamental goodness and fundamental evil playing out in your very thoughts and feelings. Hmm. I don't know. That sounds a lot like Star Wars. Well, right. But why do you think we tell these stories about these great clashes between good and evil? Why do they resonate with the human psyche? Could it be that without fully realizing it, we ourselves are living them? Wait, you mean that opposing moral forces on a grand scale clash in a sort of microcosm in our minds? And that by knowing how to navigate this inner turmoil, we can progress meaningfully toward what the great sages have called enlightenment, inner peace, or, or heaven? Yes. That was a quick turnaround. That sounds like something worth doing a show about. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg in Life. My name is Curtis Childs and I'll be your host and today we're talking about spiritual warfare and the battle between heaven and hell. And I'm here with Swedenborg scholar Dr. Jonathan Rose. Thanks hey, for coming. Uh, I want to begin today by talking about good and evil. Sorry about the, the placement on that, that's unintentional. Is it too early to ask a question? N- no, go for it. Uh, what do you mean by good and evil? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the, the difference in the spectrum of impact that uh, actions can take. For example, mm. you know, we as human beings can be just you know, doing the same thing, moving muscles, choosing actions, but some things we do are so nurturing and helpful and good, mm. but mm. other things that we do cause all this kind of harm and damage and, and psychological problems. So what, what's behind that? You know? Yes, right. And Swedenborg talks about how all of that comes from thoughts and feelings. So in a similar way, in, there's a spectrum of thoughts and feelings behind all of that. Yeah. From really good to really bad and everything in between. Exactly. And I can be, you know, the, the external world can change not that much for me, but yet I can be happy one day and then miserable mm. the next day. Or there can be like an event in my life that shouldn't really bother me, but it's bothering me. And bo- or, or some people who, who think would have great lives are miserable inside. So why, why does that happen? My question is, why do bad things like that happen? Okay, so are you talking about the theodicy, the problem of evil? Because we actually already did a show about that at no, one no, point. No, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Mm, I don't okay. mean why as in, God, why did you let this happen? What are your motives? Oh. I'm talking about the mechanics. So let's mm. say you're a doctor, and I come in and I say, Dr. Jonathan Rose, that sounds natural. Why, <laughs> why am I feeling this way? I, I, I feel hot, my head hurts. And you can say, oh, there are microbes that have breached a certain part of your, your barriers, and now your immune system has to fight back. So you're, there's, there's direct reasons why you feel like you do. If I'm having a miserable day spiritually or, or psychologically, you know, are, there, are there spiritual reasons uh, for that? Mm. That's actually a great, like the sickness is a great metaphor. Really? For what? For the battle, the battle that exists between heaven and hell. Oh, that reminds me of uh, the title of this show. And if you're saying that this battle 
between these two uh, cultural ideas or, or afterlife places or whatever they are, if that's the cause for the, these swings in mood that we get in these dark days of the, mm. of, or dark nights, I should say, of the soul, then we've got some, some things we've got to track down. And I would say, first of all, we've got to define what are heaven and hell that would in be the good. first place. If these two things are battling and that causes, what is it? But also, can heaven really fight? Isn't heaven like... I love you, man. Isn't heaven sunshine? And how how's heaven? They got their helmets with their little like "Go heaven" on it. Also, okay, how does this play out in each one of us? Yeah. Maybe you got okay. I'm sorry that you guys are having this war, but I'm here in this world. What what does that matter to me? Right. But also, are we just delivering an explanation for bad news, or is there something good that's coming out of this? Struggle? Yeah. Right, right. 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 Sounds like we've really got our work cut out for us. Then let's begin in part one. So we're here talking about heaven and hell, and maybe you've already heard of them because the, those concepts or those places are all over the place uh, in, in in religious culture, obviously, Christianity, but even other religious traditions, you get this idea of heaven and hell. But it's a pop culture thing now, too. Everybody knows you've got an angel and a devil on your shoulder, and they're telling you to do good and bad things. And Swedenborg claims that, yeah, there there is a metaphysical reality behind this. He went, had these experiences, and he saw heaven and hell. And heaven is what you'd think it would be. It's all these p- beautiful places, people working together, there's harmony, there's intimacy, there's a sharing. But in hell, it's everything that's the opposite of that. Scary places, people being harmful towards each other, uh, just not somewhere that you'd want to hang out. Creepy stuff. But but what's the real difference between those two? I mean, if you took like a town that was in hell and pulled it into heaven, is it is it now in heaven? Is it a spatial difference? What what What's the fundamental distinction between heaven and hell? So let's look at them even more closely. So say we had a spiritual microscope. We were able to look at a particle of heaven and a particle of hell. What, what's the molecular spiritual chemical difference between these two? Swedenborg defines it as such. Heaven, a state of heaven, is for us is the union of what is good and true. And hell is a state of union of what is evil and false within us, right? It's a little philosophical, but here, let me give you a more clear explanation. He says, heaven consists in doing good from goodwill, whereas hell consists in doing evil from ill will. And if that isn't clear enough, here's how it's put into action. He says that heaven is, at a molecular level, serving others for the sake of their own happiness, not for any selfish goal, but for love. And that hell is defined as when the pleasure in evil is felt as good, that is hell. And you notice we're not here talking about particular rock formations or cityscapes or something like that. Heaven is defined by motivations and actions, and so is hell. So this is something that can show up every day for us in how we feel and think. And because they're so fundamentally different, because there's such an existential corporate culture difference between heaven and hell, they can't occupy the same space. You can't have the two of them together because of their opposing natures. And we see a a, a correspondence of this play out in in that most serious of all human pursuits, uh, the, the, the quest to attain good posture. Anatomy Trains is a way of understanding alignment in the body as mapped by the fascia within and around the muscles, bones, and joints, also called myofascial meridians. The basic idea is that muscles are connected to each other along lines of fascia that work to facilitate our movement and alignment. 
Imbalance and misalignment of this network leads to pain because of shortened or overstretched muscles and fascia. For example, three of the lines that are involved in proper pelvic alignment are the superficial back line, the superficial front line, and the spiral line. If one takes over the other, there is hyperflexion or hyperextension and misalignment of the pelvic tilt. If you're always in one position, for example, the classic forward shoulders tucked under pelvis, the fascia sets there and stiffens, so it causes pain when it's stretched back into proper alignment. But if you work the myofascia into proper alignment regularly, through therapy, conscious posture, yoga, etc., the bones become aligned in a way that allows for a minimum of effort for standing and movement, you get an evenness of tone in the muscles, lengthening of the trunk and limbs, which decreases compression in the joints, reduced effort in movement, increased range of motion, and the holy grail of all efforts, reduced pain. Then, something like a simple forward bend feels fine and even good because my body is in the habit of having the anatomy trains flow the way they're designed to. If you were to just force stretch proper alignment onto people... <laughs> so just like if less than perfect posture like we all have has shaped some of the tissue in your body, you can't immediately just correct it, correct it. The same thing is true of heaven and hell. They shape things differently, so you can't just have heaven come into a space that hell has been running. You can't just have hell come into a space that heaven has been running because they're spiritually, conceptually so far apart. So you have heaven and hell, they're there, they're completely different, they can't coexist, so you might think, all right, that's fine, you just have hell over here and heaven over here. But the problem is, hell is not okay with that setup because it always wants to destroy. Hell wants to go in and destroy not only heaven, but every person and everything in between. That's the problem. Swedenborg talks about it this way in Secrets of Heaven 8209. There was an aura wafting from the hells that can be called an aura of energies, and it is a harmful aura. I've even been allowed to perceive it several times. The efforts it makes are unceasing, and at the least opportunity, the efforts explode into action. This aura, though, is held in check by an aura of heavenly energies from the Lord, which is a beneficial aura. Because it comes from the deity, it holds all power. So you have heaven and hell. <clears throat> They're opposed. Hell is always trying to come up, destroy everyone, and heaven is going down and trying to destroy hell, right? No, it's not like that. Heaven is, as we said before, the, the essence of heaven is serving others and caring for them. So heaven is interested in protecting not only everybody in the middle, but, but taking care of hell and not enabling hell to do bad things, but looking out for what's the actually the best course of action for hell. So the battle is Hell is someone who wants to destroy everything. Heaven wants to take care of everyone, including the one who wants to destroy. So heaven's task is more complex than hell. But that's all right, because heaven is way more powerful than hell. Swedenborg describes it here. This is Secrets of Heaven 1398. There were quite a few spirits around me who were not good. An angel came, and I saw that the spirits could not bear his presence. Since the nearer he came, the farther away they went. I was surprised, but was able to see that they could not linger in the aura that he carried with him. This too showed me, as other experiences have done, that one angel can drive away tens of thousands of evil spirits, since evil spirits cannot abide an atmosphere of mutual love. Still, I could tell that this aura was being moderated by his associations with others. If it had not been, all the spirits would have immediately or would immediately have scattered. You see even in there that care from heaven 
for hell. That's, that angel was having his aura, this, this heavenly essential, moderated so that it didn't totally knock over all these other spirits because he was coming from this completely different way of living. Well, it sounds like heaven's got an edge. Yeah, exactly. It seems like it's over before it even begins because there's like a 10,000 or 10 million or blah, 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 something to one power ratio between heaven and hell. It seems like it, but there's actually one place where the two are perfectly in balance in an equilibrium. Really? Where? That's in us. Huh? Let me, let me give you an example. Like, let's say the germs that we were talking about, sickness before. Right. Let's say there are germs on this table. What would you do? Oh, well, you just wipe them up. That's good because you, you want to destroy. You know, there's no question about it. Just like get rid of them. That's 100%, right. 100%. Right? Easy peasy. What about if those germs were in my respiratory tract? That's not going to work. Oh, right, 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 right. So you, you're saying there's a sensitivity of the environment. That's because right. Because out here, right, it's just kill everything that's mm. alive. But in you, that's right. you've got this sensitive lung tissue. You've got good and bad microbes. Right. You just can't do that. And actually, with heaven, it's more complicated. Because heaven, if hell is germs, heaven doesn't want to kill hell. Heaven it's doesn't amazing, want to kill the germs. True. That's true. Yeah. The, heaven wants to protect you and also wants to protect the germs and look out for everybody's future. So it actually gets really complicated. Mm. And in a way, it's even more complicated than that because... Each side uses resources that exist inside our minds and hearts. What does that mean? We're going to see in part two. So who exactly is doing this fighting within us? Is the whole of heaven and the whole of hell battling over tiny us, or how does this work? Swedenborg says that we have two angels who are with us, and they are present in our inner self. They flow into our inner self, and there are two evil spirits who are present in our outer self, and they flow into our outer self. What do I mean by outer self? It's like the part of us that's closer to our body that feels those kind of bodily appetites as sort of naturally self-centered, and the inner self is more like the altruistic self, the part of us that cares about the neighbor and God and spiritual things and so on. And we're closer or farther away from one side or the other at any given moment. So what are these two sides fighting over exactly? Is it just like one side is pulling on one arm saying, I want you to come to heaven, and the other side saying, I want you to come to hell? It's more complex than that. What they are fighting over is that heaven wants our inner self over here to be uh, dominant in us. It wants our inner self to be controlling our outer self. Hell is flowing through our outer self and wants our outer self to control our inner self. So the battle is over which of these two parts of ourselves are going to be in control. And you can perhaps see that we are in the center there between these two. And so we have a choice. We get to sort of vote one side and the other. We're in a state of freedom between these two equal and opposite forces that are battling in there. Uh, to put it another way, hell actually wants to kill us spiritually because spiritual death is a situation where your outer self is controlling your inner self. And heaven wants to save us. It wants to bring us into a heavenly condition. And Curtis was saying before that when heaven is flowing in, it's actually taking care not only of the heaven side, but also wanting to take, take care of the hell side as well, you know, protect it and so on. And the same is true in us. 
that what is good about having the uh, inner self be in control is that it is also good for the outer self. When the inner self is in control, the outer self is also thriving. When hell is controlled through the outer self and wanting to run everything in our lives, it's, it's bad for everybody. It's, it's not a good outcome. And how are they fighting in us? Well, it's amazing. It's kind of a complex situation. Uh, the analogy that came to mind when I thought about this is like a hurricane. You know, you think of a hurricane as a massive swirling storm out there in the ocean, all these clouds and the high winds and the rain and so on. What is fueling that storm? It's interesting, isn't it, that that is fueled by the water temperature. It's the water. If that whole, You would think, well, doesn't that storm just exist on its own? No. If it gets over cool water, the whole storm is dissipated. It just, just disappears. So the water is supplying the energy. Well, that's like us. There are things in us, in our inner selves, in our outer selves, that are supplying the energy for this kind of storm that's going on, this battle between heaven and hell. Listen to this passage from Secrets of Heaven 8168. During a state of attack and a state of trial, two forces or powers act on us. One is exerted by falsity, the hells inject into our outer self, the other by truth the Lord instills into our inner self. These two forces combat one another. But where's the energy come from? The falsity the hells inject takes its force and power from the love we have for ourselves and our worldly advantages. This is our self-love, our love of material things and so on. But the truth the Lord instills takes its force and power from love for our neighbor and for the Lord. We all have those different kinds of love in us. And so what hell is injecting is kind of accelerated by the amount of self-love we have or, or, you know, love of material things. And the truth that the Lord is instilling is accelerated and given force by how much we love our neighbor and how much we love the Lord. And so there's a battle between these different things. And not only that, but the actual ammunition and the topics of the fight. It's not just sort of an abstract fight of like, you know, heaven and hell fighting in us, but actually the topics that they use and the ammunition is kind of like the water that comes up out of the surface of the ocean in that storm. That's where a lot of the moisture is coming from. They are actually using things that are in us. They use ideas that are in us. They even use things that we've been through in the past, stuff in our memories and so on. Listen to this from Secrets of Heaven 5036. When we enter this state, this state of attack, evil, hellish spirits surround us. When they notice that angels are guarding us from inside, they stir up the distorted thoughts we've had and the wrongs we have done. But the angels defend us from within. Now, it's amazing to me that angels defend us, even though we've done wrongs, the angels are still there excusing it, they defend us. This fight is what we perceive as a trial, but so dimly that we can hardly tell it's not simple anxiety. We humans, especially those of us who disbelieve in spiritual influence, live in a totally obscure state. We sense scarcely a thousandth of the issues over which the evil spirits and angels are fighting. Yet we and our eternal salvation are the whole point, and we also provide the resources. What is inside us 
supplies both the ammunition with which the combatants fight and the issues over which they fight. So in one person, this battle is quite different than it is in another. One person has an issue about this. Another person has an issue about that. The evil spirits see, oh, you've got this bitterness from childhood. I can use that. And the angels say, oh, you have this sense of fairness. I can use that. And so the topics and the ammunition come from ourselves. So that's what's happening out there on a spiritual level, and it happens to people. But but how aware of it are we? Right. It seems like how Swedenborg is describing it, we don't actually see the angels and evil spirits, right? And I've wanted to know, I, I, so I've been reading Swedenborg for a long time, and but I still don't feel clear on, you know, I go through hard things. Are those hard things part of these, are they caused by these struggles? Mm. I know not everything is, like, when, when am I in one? That's mm. what I want to know. Right, right, right. So uh, what I've done here is compiled a little list of what Swedenborg says it feels like to be inside one of these. Mm. So I wanted to go through this and just reflect on these. Uh, from Secrets of Heaven, he says that what it feels like is desolation, states of despair, and consequently of grief and anger, in addition to other inward painful emotions. Mm. You ever been through something like that? Yeah, yeah. So it seems like mm. that, that it's not just like, oh, good and evil, like, oh, I should do this, but I, I shouldn't. It's it's like, you're really hurting there, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That seems like it's mainly a, yeah, right, a very painful and hopeless kind of feeling. Right. He also says in Secrets of Heaven 6829, lack of any sense of consolation gained from truths. We think oh, about the consolation from truth. Like when you hear something that feels like that, something about divine providence, that actually everything that you saw was all messed up and bad about life is leading to something that feel that can in the right spot feels really good. That's but right. when you're in one of these, it, you don't believe it. It doesn't give you any, and you just have this despair instead. Yeah, that's right. Someone said, oh, it'll get better eventually, but you're not feeling any, there's nothing about it that's comforting. That's right, that's right. Mm. Then inner feelings of anxiety and distress and of seeming damnation. Now, mm. that's interesting because Swedenborg, when he describes him, talks a lot about feelings of hopelessness of being saved or un, that there yes, is kind of like right. an, an I suck kind of feel to it. Yes, right, right. Like, I am so evil and I'll never, never get beyond that or yeah, something. Yeah, which is funny because I don't get those as much, but I get, I'll get like worries instead. But I wonder, if does it vary from person to person or, mm. or how do you know? Um, and then finally, right. and this, this is my favorite one, ever recurring feelings of despair. Yeah. Now I can, and sometimes like the subject material and what I feel like our mind is different than than Swedenborg describes. But I know that yeah. ever ever recurring feelings of despair. That's right. That's right. Um, just Very like I'm, I'm despairing now. I'm despairing, and now I'm back Here we in go it again. And back in it. That's right. Yeah. But it seems like that's just it's it's quite a mighty list there. I mean, you know, how how do you fight back against all that? Well, actually, I did a little research on this. I think it's time for part three. So there's this battle happening, and we're thrown into the middle of it, and it's confusing, and it's painful, uh, and it's something that, that affects us on a deep level. So what do we do? You know, how, how do you defend yourself? How do you fight back? Well, Swedenborg says, actually, that the fighting on our part, even though we're just doing one little slice of it, takes place by means of the truth, or of ideas. And that might not sound like that's a very potent weapon, but if you think about it on a psychological level, it's as strong as any sword. And, and this is a very strong plastic sword that I have here. But for analogy, Swedenborg says a sword is a correspondence to truth. So let's see, what, what idea can I have 
It's like a sword. Well, I think about, you know, one that's been big for me is this idea of divine providence, that God is, everything seems like a mess, but yet God is actually planned for it, and God is taking it and making it, so it's going to be okay. It's going to turn out okay, and that no matter how chaotic things seem, it's going to be all right. That is something I can take and I can use, you know? Hell is coming at me, right? Trying to make me feel... Uh, miserable and make me despair, all those things that we've gone through, but I'm here like, no, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay, smashing that stuff back. And, you know, also, even things that don't seem like they would be weapons are, that's, you can, that, for me, that's how you tell something is true if it works in these situations. For example, there's a teaching in Swedenborg that, that I don't know what I need, that, that actually we are ignorant of what we need on a deep level, because all hell is coming at me saying, you know, if this doesn't happen, you're not going to be okay. You need this to happen. This should have happened. But if I know, I don't know what I need, you see, when that idea is applied, it, reflect, it rejects them, reflects them out away from me. That's the potency of truth. That's how you fight. But guess what? It's not really you fighting. You're certainly not fighting solo. There's actually, there's the whole divine working through you. And that at part of the way that you overcome in these trials is you're sitting here trying to use these truths, trying to use everything positive, to stay positive, to not give in to things, but it's, it's God coming through you. God is giving the potency of this stuff. We have to do it like we're doing it on our own. We have to act like it's coming out of us, but um, but we need to acknowledge afterwards that God was helping us. And Swedenborg says it's for this reason. When we do something freely uh, on our own, it becomes a part of us. When we When we feel like that truth, that is a part of me, like I'm really using it like it's mine, that allows us to create this new way of looking at life that Swedenborg calls the new will. And then afterwards, if we acknowledge, oh, that was God helping me out, then we form this partnership with God. So strange as it seems, hold on to your, find what truths work for you, use them, and then acknowledge that, hey, God is my buddy and was, was fighting there with me, that that's actually how you get through, and that all these things we're trying, all these ideas we're trying to give you in this show are meant to be, you know, your little tiny swords that you're using against these, like, really serious things that that try to drag us down in life, Uh, and it's worth it, because when you go through these things, these trials, you actually get a lot of really good stuff as your your reward, (laughs) as your perks to overcoming these conflicts. So, say you had, let's say we had a treasure chest of goodies that we got from this. What do you gain? Swedenborg says that your spiritual immune system is actually strengthened by these trials, meaning you gain additional protection against evils and falsities in the future. And there's actually a very good parallel with physical immunity. So I sat down with an expert in that uh, to compare Swedenborg's spiritual concept with what we see th- through medical science around us. Uh, so, so what I want to talk to you about today is um, a, a passage that I'd sent you from Swedenborg where he's talking mm-hmm. about spiritual struggles, uh, sometimes translated spiritual crises or temptations, or, and he says that, that this is how we grow spiritually, and there's a particular line that he had where he says that these struggles are the means by which evils and falsities are broken up and dispersed. They are also the means by which an abhorrence of these is produced, and a conscience is not only given but also strengthened, and man is accordingly regenerated. So when I heard, like, they not only are the problems dispersed, but we gain this abhorrence to them, I immediately thought of immunity. And I wonder if you see a, a physical parallel to that. Oh, yeah. It, it lines up perfectly. I, I actually cool. love this 
this part that yeah. you know we we are surrounded by these evils if you want to think about right. viruses bacteria toxins that are are constantly making their way in and so so luckily we have a way to then to a really great extent defend ourselves yeah. but it is something that when we're first born we we have a certain ability to fight off certain pathogens certain toxins but over time we get so much better at it by recognizing things over and over again. So by getting exposed, like that, you you have to work the immune system. You never get the same exact thing twice. Yeah. Because you, you get exposed to it once, you build antibodies to it. Next time that thing comes around, you're ready for it. Wow. And so the, talk more about antibodies, because that seems to me like the mechanism that's most closely mirroring this abhorrence to evil and falsity. Right, right. So we have really two different ways. We have one way where... Certain cells, and I mean, I'll, I'll simplify it sure. for us here, but but certain cells that just recognize foreigners and then basically eat them up, mm-hmm. you know, take them in, engulf them. They're they're limited though; they can only do so much. That that system can be overwhelmed. We then have this the second site of the second set of these immune fighting cells that that make antibodies, and so these these cells are are constantly scanning, looking for markers. I actually grabbed a couple little models, so okay. So we have markers on our cells. Every single cell, say this is my body. Yeah. Every one of my cells has certain protein markers that have a certain pattern. So then my immune cells circulating learn that this is me. Yeah. Anything that doesn't have this, so this comes along, I'm that nice green, orange, white. This green, red, yellow comes along. My immune cells recognize this does not belong. Yeah. And then... They label that thing to, to be destroyed. And then also make antibodies that will next time recognize this. So then that really cool part, next time this thing comes along, I now get a stronger, faster response because I've already seen him once. That's amazing. Yeah. Can I touch these things? Oh, sure. Yeah. So so if we're talking about from Swedenborg's perspective yeah. then, you know, spiritually, we have something that we recognize as our own. Right. But then there's, like, there's, say there's some particular i gotta make sure it's different but th- this is some particular inclination to something harmful right. some kind of and that you have it somehow it you know gets into your life it becomes part of this spiritual crisis you have but then you get you you're able to recognize it in a way so you know no, i've already dealt with it right so we build up sort of our spiritual immune system yeah all this. and then by by seeing all these different things different times i get stronger and stronger and that's that's like heaven yeah. i mean as swedenborg describes it it's like you, you uh, are not uh, weak to evil and falsities. You know, right. you are able to, it's not like they're not around, but it's just you got a different mindset right. about it. So you get these spiritual antibodies. The next time the same t- type of soul-sucking stuff tries to come at you, you're ready for it. Not only that, though, as if that isn't enough, you also get extra perks. For example... Power against evil spirits. Swedenborg says in Secrets of Heaven, those who fight spiritual battles and win acquire more and more power over evil spirits, or in other words, over the devil's crew. So much power, really, that the spirits do not dare try anything. Every time such people win a victory, moreover, the Lord reorganizes the good impulses and true ideas they are using as weapons. So every time they win, their goodness and truth are purified. And the more they are purified, the more the heavenly qualities of love are instilled in their outer self and come into correspondence. So you're being reorganized by this divine intelligence, that outer self that Jonathan mentioned is coming more into a heavenly form. It's it's spiritual health, man. Aren't you excited about this? But there's more. You get even more benefits. He says you, you essentially gain evil spirit repellent. <laughs> he doesn't put it in those terms, but the more that you, as we said with, with Ed Higgins, abhor evils and falsities, 
evil can tell, oh, this guy does not like at all what my life is about. And actually, evil spirits are afraid to approach that. So you gain this, this sort of immunity to attack from that. Also, though, we have the insight into heavenly states through the opposite. I mean, if you've really been down in these temptations, just knowing what despair is, what hopelessness is, you can actually be more happy because you you have your sense of what life is expanded, and you really get why heaven is so good, because you know it's opposite. And then, now as I mentioned, you get a stronger belief in the truth. I mean, you see me up here saying, like, that divine providence stuff, that's really true. I got my little sword. The, the reason that I'm so hyped about Swedenborg stuff in the first place really is because it's worked for me in situations like this. That's why. So you get these truths go from being concepts to living things. You know, you go through, um, you know, like I've been in the trenches with these things. Uh, they're really cool. And then finally, you've got, and this may be the most potent one, is daily increases of wisdom. Once this has been accomplished, we possess the enlightenment and perception to see what is true and good and what is evil and false. The process also endows us with understanding and wisdom, which then grow day to day. I, I feel like it's hyping me up, the idea of you set yourself on such a good track and that it's tough in the moment, but the, the long-term benefits are way beyond worth it. Given all that, these struggles are so worth going through. I, I totally agree. And so that we don't forget everything that we learned about them, it's time for the wrap-up. Heaven and hell are these environments in the afterlife, but at a core level are defined by motives and actions. Hell being harmful actions out of malicious motives, and heaven being helpful actions coming from altruistic motives. Because they're so different, they can't occupy the same space, and by nature, hell wants to destroy. But heaven looks to preserve and protect not only us, but even hell as well. And this battle takes place within us and even uses things we love in our hearts, things we think in our minds, and even memories of things we've said and done as ammunition and issues. Yet unless we happen to have learned about what is truly going on in this process, we just think we're in a disturbed state of some kind. We're unaware of the battle and the purification that's going on inside us. We fight these battles using truths, using concepts that uplift us, give us hope, and connect us to the divine. Speaking of the divine, God fights these battles along with us, through us, and joins more closely with us after them. And if that's not good enough for you, there's a host of other benefits we get after the victory is won as well. So I think we did all right. I mean, we, we talked about what heaven and hell are, the That's nature right. of how heaven could struggle against something. Uh, we talked about the, the struggle inside of us and the benefits. Final thoughts on this. I mean, on why do we go through these? Why does it happen like this? Does this bring up anything for you? Well, what is so intriguing to me about all this is why um, our consciousness or our, you know, our knowing what's going on is kind of secondary. It's interesting. Yeah. And so that, that we would have up, to have a show like telling you it's happening when it's already happening in you. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so that brings up two questions. One is like if you if you don't know, uh, isn't it curious to have a process that goes on inside you and you don't even know it's going on? Yeah. And so somehow the benefit is there even if you don't realize what's going on. Right. But then why is it useful? What what do you gain? by knowing about it. And and to me, yeah. what you gain is that when you realize what's going on, you realize, oh, I'm not losing my mind. You know, That's this right. is what's going on. Hell is dumping all this stuff into my mind. 
you know, oh, there's a quiet little thought from an angel now and yeah. then, you know, and, and it helps me to sort of figure out, oh, okay, I'm not, you know, and I'm not just having a horrible state. Yeah. Uh, something useful is coming out I've of heard this. people say that, that that makes all the difference. And so, whoa, what, what is wrong with me? Why am I having thoughts like this? Or, wow, everything must be so bad if this is how I'm perceiving it. But to right. just know there's a whole factory of misery that is trying to put that into you. Uh, and, and heaven is there trying to push it back changes the way that it is. I mean, there was some historical guy, I don't know, I don't know, but he was going through something like some, and somebody said to him, that's what Swedenborg went through. And he found Swedenborg and was ready. You know, mm. back you probably know, if you would know his name, if I could describe it, uh, you know, with more detail. But, but I think that that, that meaning that makes all the difference. And, and I think about it like digestion. You know, we don't know what's going on in digestion, but if no. we learn put a different food in there, <laughs> you right. can really affect it. This so, is so why you there, feel that way. And, yeah, yeah, so right. maybe a similar kind of interplay. And I just want to say this is a topic close to my heart because I, the, the, what excites me about the ideas in Swedenborg is the potential to re- relieve states of despair. Yes. To turn things that, are, that seem just hopeless and, and, and awful into actually, this is all right, this is good, Here's how you, and here's how, yeah, you, this process can be much mm. less painful if you got the right concepts in there. That's right. And you feel when you're going through it, like you're, you're a horrible person, you know, like all this stuff is, is kicked up in your mind. You're thinking about awful things that you've done and said or whatever, and you don't realize that it's actually on its way out. It's being relieved. You know, things will be better after this. There's consolation yeah. and good things are up ahead. Let's get to a question, but, but first let, let me just give a couple of plugs here. Thanks so much, everybody, for taking the time to to watch this episode through. I hope you got something out of it that you feel like can make life better. I hope you got some good food for thought. If you want to help this show get out and more people to have the same experience of having to get through it, please consider liking and subscribing. That helps us out on YouTube to spread out. And if you want to be a part of the engine that makes this work, consider supporting us on Patreon. For just a dollar a week, you can be responsible for bringing this into the world. We're a nonprofit. We we run off the generosity of people. And as a thank you, we will be giving you some exclusive behind-the-scenes content. For example, this week, we have that conversation I had with Ed Higgins uh, on this show. We actually have the extended version of that, where we get more in-depth into the idea of the parallels with immunity and, and, and of health with heaven. And it's really cool to just hear his perspective, and you get a little more shots of that cool stuff in the background. So that's just a thank you uh, from us to you. So we always appreciate hearing your thoughts on the topics that we're presenting, and we wanted to do something where we addressed a a really pertinent question about our previous episode, so we could try to clear that up a little further. Last week, we talked about the five different kinds of spiritual Mm. experiences, and we love this question that we got from Jim. He said, sometimes just prior to falling asleep, but lying in bed with my eyes closed, I see the faces and bodies of people whom I clearly do not know nor have ever met. They are in places both familiar to me and unfamiliar. I do not know the purpose of being shown these people. The visions only last about 30 seconds, but sometimes feel as though it was much longer. Does this phenomenon fit into what you are talking about here? Have you ever heard of anything like that, Jonathan? Mm, And what what could it possibly mean? That's very, very interesting. I think part of what's so mysterious about spiritual experiences is what is going on you know like what are are you being taught something when swedenborg's spiritual eyes were opening where he was having a spiritual awakening uh 
he seemed very unclear often about what it, I, I'll just I'll just write it down. Yeah, I don't know what it means or why it's going on. Sometimes I wonder myself. I, I have these dreams that are just like crowded with people. Like, yeah, what is going on? There's some sort of gathering of people. And I don't know what's going well, on. Well, and you see, like right here, when we led into this question, I was careful to set up like, why? Okay, here's what we're doing. We're having a question about last episode. But it sounds like Jim's not getting any setup for this experience. It's just like. Here's a weird, right. here's a strange person that you don't Boom. know, and that it seems to as you're saying, Swedenborg has this progression of he'll write something and he'll say I, I don't yet know what it means, and also when you're seeing people, it seems like Swedenborg would sometimes see people that were spirits, but sometimes see people that were representatives. He say I saw a person dressed in a something, and it meant this that that sometimes right. he was observing other other entities, and sometimes it was a symbol. So this could be either one of those, right? That's right, and and one of the questions that comes to my mind about it is, um, what sort of thoughts and feelings do they evoke? We work so much about the right, thoughts and right, feelings, right, right. you know. Just do they look? You know, what kind of people do you do you think they are? How how do you react to them and everything? Do they make you feel good? Do they make you feel afraid? Yes, yeah. right, right, exactly. Is, is it unsettling? Uh, sometimes I wonder. Uh, this may be a strange analogy, but um, okay, we can like, do, we can delete it in post. Okay, okay, good. When you turn on a PA system, yeah, like the first thing that goes through the system is just boom. You know, often there's just like a interesting boom, you know, yeah. or something like that. And sometimes I wonder whether before some kind of spiritual broadcast, do you just get sort of test test, you know, oh. or like on this show, sometimes before the show, we yeah. say what we ate for breakfast or what, just to test the to mics, so, audio test, you know. It, 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 <clears throat> Is it kind of the beginning so, like, of something? You they're know what showing I mean? to Jim. They're saying, "Let's see. Let's see if we can get him to see anything." Oh, we got him to see this person. Something yeah, like that. he's okay. looking at that. He's reflecting on that. That's, and yeah. Uh, I, and another thing that I think a lot of Swedenborg's spiritual experiences attested for him was just that there is another realm. There's something beyond the physical senses. Yeah. Because your physical senses are are pretty quiet. You're falling asleep, lying in bed with your eyes closed. Yeah. You know. But then, boom, boom, here are these faces, and here, you know, and I've wondered about things like that. Sometimes I've seen, you know, forests, and there's a road, and my eyes kind of following the road. And I, it's, it's beautiful, but I don't know, like, why. I, I don't know anything about the, the why of it. It's just sort of mysterious. I like what you said there. I don't know anything about the why of it, because I think that's where we leave this question here. Thank you for sharing your experience, and, and we love to just, like, ponder the mysteries. Yeah, it's cool. With you. Okay, that's our show for today. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Next weekend, we're actually not going to be here. It's a holiday weekend in the United States, so we'll be taking that off. But the following week, it's going to be all about you. We're doing a live question panel show, so start thinking of your questions now, and we'll try our best when we get there. Thank you so much for watching tonight, and I hope you have a great week. Swedenborg and Life is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan.